Oh, thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Shit Talk. Here we are. The year is 2023, January the 3rd. Joined again. Mike is back. Can't keep Mike away. And uh, we've got Sabine uh, here and a very special guest, a um, guy I found on TikTok in the day of censorship and us trying to, you know, rediscover the people that are getting censored out there. I uh, stumbled across a video of a local, uh, local-ish, I guess, uh, author here. And uh, I said, hey, you know, you want to be our guest? So Blaine, you've you've actually had had a chance to review some of that deal's work. Can you uh, do you feel you're you're way more qualified to introduce this guest for sure? Yeah, our guest today, Abdul Leroy, um, uh, is a an author, uh, uh, an actor, and um, shoot, what was the other thing? Former journalist with former Reuters. journalist with Reuters. Yes, yeah, sorry, I was gapped on that. Reuters had a soul. Yeah, there, there you go. Out. Yeah, no, and uh, where I was, uh, I've been reading uh, his book, The COVID-19 Protocols, and um, it's been really, really informative and succinct. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed it very much so far. It comes from a lot of different uh, angles at it. Um, I, love, I love how many quotes you have in there from, from different sources. I was overjoyed to see that even Jimmy Dore made, uh, mm -hmm. ma made the quotes on there. I love that guy, yeah. so I was I happy Jimmy to see that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah and then- Jimmy Dore for years. Yeah, I remember when he was on the Young Turks. I liked him then. Yeah, well, I I've been following him since he was on uh, Pacifica Radio in, I think it was in California, wasn't it? Oh, that's even before I started listening that's to him. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he's been around a long time, but man, that guy he's just a he's just a force, you know. And I really appreciate how um, he kind of looks at you know he's, he never gets ideologically locked in, you know. He's he's a, he's a quote unquote lefty. But um, he calls out the left and the right as far as the parties are concerned. There was a good quote I read uh, the other day. It came up on some some meme, and it said the left, the left and the right wing both belong to the same bird. And I thought that was yeah. quite good. Yeah, and he's been lamenting how other stand-up comedians have been peddling the official narrative. And I, when he does that, I want to shout at the radio, shout at the podcast, and say, "You do realize they're being paid off by the CDC and the." HHS, and there's there's been documentation come out that's shown that uh, among many others, comedians have been paid off to make fun of the unvaccinated or make fun of their so-called conspiracy theorists. So, so uh, he may not be aware of that, uh, but he feels among comedians like a lone voice. And for the most part, he's right. I mean, there are some. Yeah. I mean, especially along the like the larger names of comedians. I mean, uh, I don't know about Joe Rogan's stand-up, how much he brings in, in COVID, but he's also another guy that, that at least, you know, had the balls and the courage to, to use his platform to bring on doctors like, uh, like McCullough and Malone and, uh, and actually get some truth out there and challenge the narrative because when he had Sanjay Gupta on there after CNN altered his face colors right. and made him look sick and say that he was taking horse paste and all this shit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, no, I mean, there's, there's, there's a couple out there, but it's surprising because that is the group of people in society that are supposed to, you know, through, through honesty, make us laugh, but also see, see the truth. That's like the sacred role of com comedians, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it goes back to the fools of Shakespeare, like King Lear's fool. He speaks a lot of truth within the comedy and he uses riddles and he's being subversive, but in a way that doesn't get him into trouble. 
that was also kind of the case with uh, a lot of uh, how people would talk from what I hear in the Soviet Union, because there was so much, you know, thought crime and stuff like that. They would use they would use humor and sarcasm and things like that to try and, you know, uh, talk to their friends about what was going on without explicitly saying it or kind of, you know, um, uh, implement or what's the word I'm looking for, uh, in, um, getting themselves, uh, you know, in trouble anyway. Yeah. Intimidating or instigating? Which word was it? Implying. Incriminating. Incriminating was the word. That's oh, what I was going close. for. Sorry, I'm bad at Scrabble. <laughs> um, another point I really liked in your uh, book there, Abdiel, is that because um, we, we definitely can get caught up in the weeds of the data and stuff. And you're, you, you made a good point in there about um, you know efficacy and all these things kind of being a moot point because the real thing is you know looking at the, the charter violation should be enough. Because we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, what if what if the vaccines worked, right? They would still be morally wrong to to force people to take it and, and to do these things, right? And so I feel like yeah. we can kind of get lost in these weeds quite often. And then, you know, that being the key point, it shouldn't matter. It could be, it could be you know, ambrosia. It could make you live to 200 years, you know, 300 years, whatever. It should not be compelled into people. Yeah, exactly. And something that scares me about people in the medical freedom movement is that they make this argument, well, you shouldn't have mandated this mask because it doesn't work and you shouldn't mandate the vaccines because they're unsafe or they're ineffective. And I'm yelling at the radio again saying, no, you shouldn't mandate them because it's against international law and no medical treatment should ever be forced. And that's what Dr. Malone was saying as well. And no one would listen to him. And he's like one of the leading experts of the world. So it's just like. Especially. I mean, if you, have, the... I mean, you could have a plague on the scale of the Black Death that wiped out between a third and a half of the population. And you could have a medical measure that is proven to be 100 percent safe and 100 percent effective. And you still would never, ever, under any circumstances, have the right to enforce it on anybody. And the key protection that I go back to is the Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights of, I think it's 2005. And that states that no preventive, diagnostic, or therapeutic medical intervention can be imposed without informed consent. And so you take that word preventive, that incorporates masks and vaccines. You take the word diagnostic, that includes tests. And how many people have been showing up at airports and presenting their papers or presenting their test results? And so few people, hardly anybody is saying, well, no, you don't have the right to impose this. Yeah, you have two basic rights when it comes to medical, um, which is your right to, to refuse treatment and your right to non-disclosure. You don't have to, exactly. you don't, there's, and that's what's really been bugging me right from the start of this. Not only that, but the science of what is a virus. It's a foreign piece of protein. Wash your fucking hands and stay away from foreign pieces of protein. It's not the end of the world. You know, it's not worth covering your house and your, your belongings in a cancer causing agent, all the solvents, Lysol and all that, that was out of stock, right? Now we're yeah. dealing with this and we're wondering why people's immune systems are down. 
You know, they've been dealing with toxicity, breathing in plastics as well, right? With this uh, cheap Chinese masks that are remarked and packed and made in Canada boxes or made in the U.S. boxes, right? So, yeah, it's... Well, it's taken yeah. two years for all of us to see the final truth of it, even though it was like a matter of months before we, a lot of us conspiracy theorists kind of already kind of figured it out. And that that's the, the saddest part about this is you can throw science and facts and, and everything that's right and laws at people, but that's not what, what happened. And we all know that the corruption is, is ruling this world at this point in all kinds of shapes and forms. And I mean, guys like us can, preach to the choir and talk about what was what was supposed to happen what was right what everyone knew was happened but we know that the power grab was use fear to control the masses and that's just the bottom line of it all and um abdil you mentioned you were censored um it was your were your books censored or oh, do you want to well, tell yes, us about that's that? how we that's how we originally came into contact because i have independently published well, all of my books, I've got about 25 uh, books out there now. Well, the most recent one is called The COVID Protocols, Upholding Your Rights in Authoritarian Times. And the Canadian book retailer, Kobo, has blocked the book. So that retail outlet is closed to me. And in the email is one of these vague things about we need to protect people, rapidly evolving situation, and we need to make sure there's no misinformation. And I would be very surprised if any of them bothered to read the book. They probably just saw the word COVID in the title and thought, nah. Not worth the heat for them, maybe, if we're going to be generous, you know, if they're looking at it from a pure PR perspective. But I, think I, I it, don't know. I, I, strong, I mean, I immediately made the link because, I mean, Canada has become such a scary place uh, constitutionally. And I immediately made the link. Well, they're, they're tied in with the uh, tied in with the Canadian regime. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we just saw today, actually, um, Jordan Peterson. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw the news, but um, he was uh, cited from the I believe it's the Ontario Board of uh, of Psychologists that um, there's been so many uh, uh, complaints made that he's caused harm. Um, uh, that they're considering pulling, they're going to put him on uh, trial or they, they want to, here's what they want to do. They want to send him in for a social media communications re-education. Oh boy. Like <laughs> a re-education camp. Like, is that where we're going? Like, is, is Andrew Tate going to be in his class too? Or... <laughs> it's, it's absolutely abysmal. The state of things that, you know, you can have somebody like Jordan Peterson, who's, you know, got like 12 million, some followers, sold a bunch of books, clinical psychologists and stuff like that. And here's the thing is that these uh, claims that were made were baseless. Like he went through, through the claims and stuff and none of them were any of his clients that he practices with, but it's just this overarching vibe that they get from the government, this physician board or whether they're directly, you know, told by the government, you know, because uh, one of the reasons that was cited was that uh, he hosted Pierre Polivier, Pol or Polyev, the conservative party leader, and spoke with him, and that he was putting down Justin Trudeau. That was one of the reasons. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with the price of sand in Iraq? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's astounding that politicians like him feel that they have the right to be immune to criticism. I mean, that's what comes with the territory. And 
I don't know what happened with that that scene with that uh, guy uh, haranguing Christian Freeland as she was getting into an elevator. I thought, wait, well, yeah, way to go. That was such a heroic thing to do. And then the RCMP is investigating him and this kind of thing. Oh, I, I, I bet if, he doesn't have a bank account. Oh, is that right? Oh. I'm guessing because she's 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 happy to shut down people's bank accounts. That's what one of the one of the out, uh, fallout of the Emergencies Act invocation for the trucker convoy was that they um, they got the banks to shut down people's accounts who had donated to the Freedom Convoy. I would like to interject here. It is still happening. This isn't just during the convoy. Chris Barber, um, one of the uh, the truckers there, um, sells hoodies online to help fund the legal defense that he's going through having to you know deal with all this upset and stuff and uh yeah he had his shut down right before christmas so everything that he'd raised all these people that bought hoodies for their loved ones before christmas and that yeah and I'm they had his accounts frozen again like yeah i'm appalled by the banks i mean hmm? A bank who had a bit of backbone and a bit of integrity would turn around to Christian Freeland and say, well, we have a fiduciary trust mm -hmm. and you cannot find someone or take financial action against them without due process. And you need to have a constitutional protection whereby a person who is accused stands in front of a, a, a trial by jury and after all that due process, then maybe you get to impose your financial penalty. But but you know, none of that is happening. Just the decree, the decree of a minister and the Toronto Dominion and whatever the other ones are say, oh, yes, yes, we'll, we'll do it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go along with that. Unbelievable. And and to take that risk is just from a business perspective, right? You're you're a bank. You your whole foundation is 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 hoping people will trust that you're not going to steal their money, that you're going to make sure it's there and it's it's theirs, you know, above all, all else. Unless, like you say, they go through due process and a trial by jury, then you know that that, that money gets seized. And like international investment plummeted after that. Um, I know TD lost a, a lot of money and a lot of people shut their bank accounts down from that. Yeah. And who would want to, you know, who would want to emigrate from a place to come here to put their money in a bank like that when they realize that all they have to be a, is accused of wrong think by a minister and that's it for, for their, their savings. Good luck trying to get back, you know. It's like civil asset forfeiture, but, you know, even removing the step of like being pulled over by a cop and he sees there's cash in your car, you know, it's just, it's just direct. Like they're just, they're monitoring where your transactions are going and you're like, and they want to bring in a central bank digital currency. Like, my God, it, I couldn't imagine anything more frightening. Yeah. Well, they, I don't know if you remember, but remember it was like the next day where they, where they clicked everything back on. Cause I think someone got the phone call and was like, what, who the hell do you think you guys are? You better knock this off right now. This ain't working for us. And, and it remember that it all stopped instantly. It didn't go on for like a month or a week or whatever. It, they, they corrected themselves real quick when they mm. learned that they made a big mistake, but they tested the waters for sure. Yeah. PayPal did something. PayPal's been doing something similar. Yep. Yeah. The you fun... know what? Uh... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was me. just, I was going to say like this year, kind of have been it's been occurred to me more and more but like we live in the day where our news is real time everything's real time and now 
they've come up with a protocol that it's like a big excuse, a big, it's the only thing they can do to block out the truth, to continue on their corruption. Like, I mean, even like the Twitter stuff that's coming out right now. I mean, that, that in itself is kind of like a blessing for a lot of us. I'll, that's just a perfect example of, of how the tables can turn on these, these people. And I'm talking about like corrupt people right across the board from Canada to China to across the world, because this day and age, it's so hard to hide corruption because it is, I mean, you come up, people with laptops get exposed. The, the things that are about to get exposed in this world. I'm really hoping that the tables are going to be turned real quick. I mean, I just, I don't know if you guys, cause you guys are, are TikTok guys. Did you guys hear about this Irish shadow? Did you guys hear anything about this? No. Look on TikTok. Um, who's the Facebook's main, main man there? Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg. He put out a video. He's scared of this hacker. And and Joe Rogan made a podcast about him. And a lot of guys are talking about this this hacker called Irish Shadow. I guess he's he's got a lot of power. I don't know what he's he has. And and this is what's going to start happening is all these people are going to be start getting exposed because they can't they can only hide and make excuses for so long before I mean maybe they can't we'll see what happens but I digress. I'm of kind of two minds on that because on the one hand like I definitely agree that like a lot of stuff has already come out right there's so much damning evidence that's already on the table but and to tie it in with you know Abdil's work is that you know, you look at like the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and all these constitutions and stuff, and they're just wiping their ass with it. Like there's no, where the, where the, the where's the judiciary to stand up and say, hey, no, it's a gross violation of, you know, um, a freedom to assembly or uh, life, liberty and security of the person or on and on and on. Like the violations to me or anybody who reads it. It's this it's this whole idea that lawyers are the only people that can interpret the law, right? And yes, they make a lot of convoluted, you know, uh, legalese in a lot of their acts and stuff like that. The charter is pretty, pretty basic and pretty easy to understand in my eyes, right? When you read, you know, life, liberty and security of the person is, is a guaranteed thing. The freedom to travel without arbitrary detention. And these things were... Whole, I, I couldn't drive to Vancouver Island to go and see my uh, my family's uh, or my friends rather because the uh, I can't get on the ferry without a vaccine passport. I can't drive into the U.S. even though I was guaranteed the freedom to leave my country. Right. Mm -hmm. I believe there was even a time where they were talking about limiting interprovincial travel. And so, you know, just on that alone. Right. You're like, well, what are we doing here? They violated it. Fix it. Like that's what it's that's what you're there for. And then they don't do it. And that's like kind of the kind of the hopeless side of this thing is that, you know, as much as like, I hope that, and Abdil, like your work says, and I, I'm, I'm totally with it, that everybody needs to get educated on this specifically, learn their constitutional rights, their yeah. universal human rights. Um, but then to, they have to demand accountability. But this is what such the head scratcher is, is that the whole legal process, everybody involved there is just sitting on their hands, like the Supreme Court and stuff like that. They're not, they're not upholding this. And they're, they're saying uh, there was a, the, Maxine Bernier and one of the original signatories, um, Brian Peckford, the original signatory on uh, one of the 12 original signatories on the uh, on the Constitution Act when they brought in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They mounted a constitutional challenge and went to court and uh, and it got slapped down because they had already by then removed the vax or the like the travel mandates by uh, or vaccine mandates for airplanes. 
And so they said, well, your point's not taken because we've already removed this. It's like, no, you had it in place. You should be accountable for that. I don't care if you remove it and then look back on the past and say, oh, yeah, well, I guess we were kind of wrong, but nah, too late, too bad for you. It's like, no, people were injured and harmed, man, in, in so many ways, like on the psychological level of what it did to people. I mean, you know, not to not to use myself as an example or anything, because, you know, there's people who are plenty more victimized by this than me. But um you know, I, I wasn't able to get a job. I, I went through the inter interview process on this really good union job and they had told me that I had gotten it essentially, right? They were just finalizing up and then they forgot to ask me anything about the vaccine. And then I get a call the next day and they're like, okay, we just wanted to check, you know, about the vaccine or whatever. And they were talking to me like, okay, like this is what you're going to do when you start. Like it was very, it was very implied that I had already kind of, I've crossed the final hurdle. It was three interviews and everything. And, uh, and then I had that phone call and then they wrote me back the next day and they were like, you know, not, not for us. And it was, maybe there was something else. I don't know, but it sure seemed convenient that it was only after I disclosed, which, you know, just based on what we know, or what I've been reading about your uh, works, Abdeel, um, about, you know, universal rights and stuff like that. And just medicine in general, not having to disclose medical information. And here they are then like, well, you have to answer, that's it, you know, and you're like, okay, well, I'll answer. And then it's still the same result, you know, it was disgusting. Your medical status is none of their goddamn business. So it is not the government's business. It is not an employer's business. It is not a travel company's business. It is not your neighbor's business, what your medical status is or uh, vaccination status. And this is often forgotten with the Hippocratic Oath because we know everyone knows first do no harm is part of the Hippocratic Oath. But it's also, I will divulge, uh, it's also, I will administer no deadly medicine and I will not divulge. So that principle of I will not divulge the, the, the sacredness of medical information, medical confidentiality, that was there from the beginning. That's been there for two and a half thousand years since the Hippocratic Oath was, uh, appeared. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's shocking because it, it's something just like we 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 think that because, you know, we think that when we, we pay taxes, we, uh, you know, we have this government, we, we chafe at it sometimes, but we say, hey, at least we get these rights and freedoms and these are protected. At least they won't ever cross that threshold. And if they do, there'll be some penalty. Right. And that's where I kind of you know, get a bit more pes pessimistic about this because I'm just not at least in Canada, I'm not seeing a lot of action on the legal front. I did see surprisingly out of Australia of all places the other day, a, a barrister, I think it was a lawyer over there or something, but um, he, uh, a high up guy and he was addressing, there was members of the Senate there, I think of parliament as well. It was quite a large committee. And he put the doctors and the, the, like the health office on notice, essentially saying, you may have indemnified the vaccine makers, but you are not protected because your oath says, you know, first do no harm and all these other mm -hmm. things. And uh, and if people are injured, they can sue you as a doctor because you didn't provide them any informed consent. And if the you know, and if the, 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 you'll lose and then the doctor will have to fork up the money, but then he can go and sue his higher ups at the health authority that told him all of these things. And so he's like, all of you are on notice here, every one of you. And it was it was powerful. And you're like, oh, I, I hope that, you know, you're like, ah, oh, gosh, I really hope the, the legal system just somehow awakens from this stupor it's been in. Yeah. And that's it's it's just calling someone's bluff is, is what it is, because obviously, you know, lawyers and stuff are expensive. Right. So, I mean, if you confronted someone with all this, these facts that, that you guys are putting forth 
and the and like like this company blaine that you applied for and then the company it has some secretary on the phone and she's told to sit to reply well i'm sorry sir that's just the way it is and then then that's that's it well like what do you what do you say to that like she's like or they say that's our company policy like you're not going to argue with this secretary because she doesn't give a crap because she's not in the head and as soon as you talk to the uh, higher up they're going to say the same person and then you're going to say well uh, I'm you're going to be contacted by my lawyer. Now, is it worth it to spend a hundred grand of your money to to bring it to court and then have well, some judge in, in my just case, make some strange decision like okay, whatever? In my case, no, right? Because I don't have no. conclusive proof. It's just kind of this circumstantial, you know, gist that I got. But you know, it's but that's it is what you what would get, right? We're sorry, that's against our policy. Like that's. It may not be it, your their policy is against the law that you guys are talking about, but mm -hmm. they've just come up with that out of their ass, really, in my opinion. But I, I get quite irritated with lawyers who say, well, we can't go after Big Pharma or we can't go after the doctors, can't go after the hospitals because they have legal immunity. But that legal immunity is based on acts and statutes, which are no more than contracts. So if you enter into a contract with, say, a supplier or a business, you're not going to let yourself be put in a position where the other party writes the contract, signs the contract, and then just imposes on you. You're going to want to read it, amend it, and if you're, if you're happy with it, sign it. But we, as people, our legislatures are assuming that power of a one-sided contract. We get to sign it, and we get to impose it upon you. And that has totally disconnected, that has become totally disconnected from our inherent sovereignty. And this is another aspect I go into in the book is about common law rights. Yeah, I was and very interested to read about that. These statutes have no validity unless we've signed them. Yes, and that's, it's, it's a foundational law. I know a few, quite a few people um, that are kind of uh, here, they call themselves sovereign citizens or free men of the land. And they, they talk about this and we can get into this after the, the break a bit, if you'd like um, the admiralty, admiralty law versus common law. Now, yeah. the only, the only thing that I've seen here in Canada anyway, is that uh, at least the ones that you see come up in the media, because I'm sure they wouldn't publish anybody who won. And I do know a few people who have won using some of these kind of legal theories about common law, but uh, common law and the Magna Carta aren't codified in Canadian law, as far as I understand. And so I've seen a lot of judges throw out some of these arguments and these really derisive mocking articles and like the CBC and stuff like that about these people who have made these cases. And they, it's so derisive. They say, oh, how can an individual try and practice law on their own? They don't show up with a lawyer, right? They show up and, you know, they, they, they throw these theories out and, uh, and it really, you know, I want them to be right. I want that to be the case because I love the idea of common law. No crime without a victim. You're like, that should be so simple. It should reduce so much of the legal burden that we all have. And we should all be able to understand that. You're like, well, I'll always be acting well because I always know that as long as I don't hurt anyone else, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm not violating any of these other statutes that I don't know about. But when you look at the legal books, there's a million laws you could be in. You, the most people violate, I think, the, the, the you know five or 10 laws a day and they don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah, and if you take it back to its fundamental place uh, in common law and in Magna Carta, taxation is a fine. So we're having fines imposed on us just for living, breathing and existing. So the restoration of common law 
has to be our vision. I agree. I think that is a hopeful way forward. Oh, Nate, I think you're muted there, my friend. Yeah. yeah so, so talking about Magna Carta, I was I went to Runnymede in the summer of this year, or I guess last year now. And so Runnymede was where Magna Carta was signed in 1215. And I visited the John F. Kennedy Memorial. And there's a path going up to the memorial. And it's made up of sets. They're called sets. So they're rectangular blocks of stone. And it's spelled S-E-T-T. -T. And they're different sizes. They're different heights and widths and so on. But they all work together to create this path. And this path is called the path of individuality. So we're living in a in a society where the, the tyrannical regime is trying to cookie cutter everybody and make everybody the same size and shape, the one size fits all and the one health tyranny that the World Health Organization is pushing. And we are asserting that no, we are individuals. And this comes back to the Georgia Guidestones because uh, title eight or paragraph eight of the Georgia Guidestones was quote to balance the rights of the individual with the needs of society or something to that effect. And, and this has been echoed by the British government as they try to destroy the UK Human Rights Act. And so, of course, what that means is we get to determine what the good of society is and we get to impose it on new individuals and micromanage your lives, whether you like it or not. So that defines that that path of individuality defines our struggle. And also in 2015, which was the eighth centenary of Magna Carta, I was in Beijing at the time and the British embassy was showcasing the original Magna Carta, the original document. So I went there and paid homage to it. And so you see this uh, this document uh, behind a glass case. And so it raises a challenge for us now. I mean, not just the Magna Carta, but all the uh, international rights laws that are derived from it. Are these documents mere museum pieces in glass cases? Or are they living, breathing documents that we embody with our lives and with our words and with our deeds? That is a challenge before us. And I would say that you and I, we have been put here on this earth at this time to have this fight. And so I remind myself that instead of shrinking and, and being fearful is to say, okay, let's relish this fight. Let's have it. Let's do it. Absolutely, man. And, you know, the, it, to kind of dovetails with, you know, the inalienable rights that it's not that freedoms aren't given or granted by government. There's something that is seized and held by people, right? They're, they're 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 implicit to to being a human being, right? And we all have to be vigilant in 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 holding that. And so, in the same way, we should all be educated about you know the rights that are protected by this ink and paper. We have to decide to make that ink and paper meaningful, right? We have to choose to read it and embody those things. But it's us that uphold them. It's not 
too many people think and, and the government acts that way that they they allow you to have these freedoms it's it's by their pleasure that you're allowed to to go in and, and be an individual and have these things and if they don't like it they can take it away at the drop of a hat and that kind of conditioning right has been going on for generations now and it's starting to really i think have a really bad effect on the majority of people in the way that they move about the world and that's yeah, the, i think that's the move. saddest uh sorry to interrupt you there I think that's the saddest part is that a lot of these governments are banking on this future generation, not even smart enough to understand that they exist. I mean, I watched a show, uh, this guy was interviewing, this is in America, kids on the streets, they couldn't even tell the time on a wristwatch. And these are like 20 year old kids, just random people on the street. They could not tell time on a wristwatch. You think that generation is is going to acknowledge like you guys are obviously very smart individuals that people your age but they're they're just trying i think the governments are just trying to hold out by the time they implement everything that the who has in plan for the world um that these young kids they're not gonna have the intelligence to to reach out and find these resources to be like oh look hey this is our history there they don't even know how to tell time on a, on a wristwatch right now. All that they care about is where if the, the Coca-Cola machine still works that they don't know how to fix. <laughs> yeah, I'm concerned about what this world is going to look like a generation from now. You think of all the kids who have been born recently, so they may have had genetic modification. They're trying to have their... I mean, we, we, have, we have the instinctive... Uh, law within us of to love others as you love yourself to have empathy and to identify with someone else's pain when we see it but they are trying to breed a generation of kids who have had that empathy and that instinct bred out of them and whether it's through genetic modification or i mean you think of all the kids uh who whose parents took the shots and the dangers of them being maimed physically, being maimed sexually, being maimed genetically. Think of all the anger uh, of being maimed from birth. And that, followed by the conditioning and the indoctrination, we are going to be facing some scary 20 and 30-year-olds when those kids grow up from both angles too, right? It's not just, you know, the parents took it and then had the kid and, you know, the kids got some, they're, they're giving it to six month olds here. Yeah. Right. And I, I, there was a, you know, uh, there was a quote that uh, you had uh, prefacing one of your chapters that was, um, there's a part of it that said, give me the, I forget who wrote it, but it was, uh, give me the, give me the child for seven years and I'll show you the man. I don't know if you remember. It doesn't, it doesn't ring a bell. I'm not sure. I, I've, I've heard that quote, but I'm not sure I put it in my book. Oh, I'm pretty sure I read it in there. But anyway, uh, oh, okay. the, okay. it still holds true because, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, we're now what's what we're doing, right? Like you forced the women into the, into the workplace and stuff and whether for good or for ill. Um, but you've destroyed the kind of traditional family unit of the mother rearing these children. And now the state has so much more time with your kids and you see how the curriculum's changing i mean my sister's an elementary school teacher and i get you know a little bit of wind here and there about you know what's kind of coming down the pipes and it's horrible what they're teaching these kids and what like the curriculum is and how much it's diverted from 
what you'd hope it would be. Okay, we're going to teach kids math. We're going to give them appreciation for literature. We're going to try and inspire these minds to go out and think for themselves and stuff. And it's just so different now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when it comes back to like the, the whole birth thing and giving it to six month olds and stuff like uh, Nate was talking about, um, I'm not sure if you've been <clears throat> reading up on like the, the fertility rate around the world, but it's been plummeting everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and everywhere nine months post vaccination, right? They, there's a big study, uh, studies done in, in Europe. I think they had uh, seven or eight European countries and they're all ranging from 10 to 20% decreases in, uh, in, in fertility or birth rates. Sperm, um, sperm rates are down the lowest they've ever been in recorded history since they've been recording them. And the funny thing is now I've seen that they're, um, a company, maybe more than one of them, I'm sure the military has a lot to do with it as well, but they have these embryonic chambers now where you can genetically modify your own children. And uh, imagine that coming down the pipeline in the next 40 years. I mean, that could be something that, and there could be all sorts of money and laws attached to that. Like, oh, if you're rich enough to afford to have a kid, then okay, we'll, we'll let you have one kind of thing. Like, we'll We'll give you a genetic, uh, an egg you can fact, and then who knows what they would put into those kids as well. Like you, you don't know, like, I don't think it's going to be a money thing. I think it's going to be a social credit score thing. Are you allowed to have children? You know, like you have to, you have to reach a certain threshold in order to be, to impose that burden on the rest of society, because that's the, that's kind of the motif they're going with is that the humans are a burden, right? There's too many people on this earth, this whole Malthusian death cult that we're living in where, you know, they're Georgia Guidestones cut the population to 500 million people for the whole earth, right? This sickness is just, you know, I don't know if it's a if it's a function of like being wealthy or being in these positions of power what what it does to people to make them take these evil routes but you know what's the what's the bible uh verse that's um it's easier to fit uh, a camel through the through the eye of a needle than to uh, for a rich man to get into heaven um i, I believe that's the quote but uh in the, and i just wonder if there's some kind of more universal truth behind that of you know this whole idea that that power corrupts that once you hit some level of power you're you know compelled to do these this satanic for lack of a better word things right this epstein mm -hmm. islands and, and on and on you know it's just it's just it's creepy well we now because we're wealthy we should have the the privilege uh, of telling the world exactly how many kids they should have and what these people should do because we know best. Like what, what is that in society or, or in people that, that brings that about? Well, what do you guys infer about the secret societies that are at work behind the scenes? Because you're seeing court judgments, you know, you're talking about court judgments that, that should be a slam dunk in favor of the charter or the constitution. And then the judges are not ruling in in that way. So what secret alliances are running in the background? Right. Exactly. I, mean, I think I think those this we don't even know. Like I mean this the Simpsons is even made fun of it. Like it's well known that there's been secret societies for a long time. And I think they've infiltrated according to a lot of the videos I see on TikTok every aspect of life the police force the the judges that and if and if people aren't um part of them then they will be threatened by them behind the scenes um because there are people out there that have a different way of thinking and than the normal person and the normal person besides the people like us that are kind of like interested in this topic 
I might be like one out of 10 people that are actually aware of that these people exist, but these people are in high positions of power and they are willing to, they don't care about the things that normal people care about. They have a totally different mentality. They're not, they're not Christians. And it's like Blaine was saying, for lack, like, like you said, for lack of a better word, they are sat satanic people. They, they believe in things that, that we can't even fathom in our minds. Like, and I, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but I'm, I'm well aware of that. I've been looking into it for a long time, but it's actually sickening. Like, Alex and, Jones infiltrated Bohemian Grove back in the day, and he has it on video that all these, you know, Hollywood elites and, and you know, Harvey Weinsteins and all these these creeps were sitting around and they were doing a mock sacrifice to Moloch, the owl god or whatever. Um, and I know that you wrote about, about um, uh, you know, from scripture talking about uh, Moloch, the, um, you know, in, yeah. in the Bible that they were sacrificing children in the name of, of, of Moloch and, 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 you know, God, um, you know, uh, forbid it and, and, and those people would be punished and, and, and killed. Um, and it's like, it's been going on that long, right? It's just like this, it's this tribalism. And if you get enough people together and you can, you know, you, you can exert power over the other group, then your group becomes tighter and tighter and wants to control more and more, it seems. Well, here's what I infer. I infer that those who are medically murdering by day are ritualistically murdering by night. And I also infer that the reason that they can be psychopaths or what takes them further down that road is because their consciences have been seared by the initiations that they've gone through. They have done such despicable, horrific things that they can be controlled to do these evil things by day. And it works within this whole structure of bribing and blackmailing and compromat. So if they've got material on each other about what they've been doing to kids, for instance, then they can keep the politicians in line, they can keep the judges in line, they can keep the doctors in line, the hospital administrators, the regulators, everybody, police, military, I, I can think of no other explanation for the coordination that's been going on on this global scale. And I don't. Are you familiar with the the work of uh, Kevin Annette, who's been he's written a book called uh, Murder by Decree. I, I don't know it. Yeah. Well, he he has investigated the murders of Canadian Indigenous children and how the British royal family has been involved with that. I do so, know about that a little bit. Yeah, there's there's many stories, at least, you know, colloquial stories that, that get passed around of, you know, when the, the Queen came to visit, they visited a reservation, they walked off with, you know, 50 some kids and only a few came back. Right. You know, stories like that. It's just it's not something I've ever been able to verify or whatever, but it's been told to me enough that it's just kind of been one of those things like, well, I'd believe it because I know that these people are up to sick things all the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's that's been going on. You know what? That's been going on for thousands of years. I mean, the Romans before the fall of Rome, like they they the whole society. I mean, that that paints a perfect picture of what's happening now. Their politicians and, and people and military leaders, this, they were going through the exact same thing, including pedophilia and all, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, you look at the Italian mafia in the late 
60s, 70s, 80s, I mean, to gain power, that's what those guys would do. They would kill without without remorse. They'd go. I, mm -hmm. I was just watching a story of one of the Italian mafia guys that got out of prison. He was telling us, like, there are some bad guys. They didn't care about anything. They, If you crossed their path and didn't do what they wanted on their way to gain power, they would take you in the bathroom and cut your throat. And that's the mentality of some of these people that have been going on. I mean, I don't know about your, my TikTok algorithm is full of the exposure of this, like on a scale, like so I've seen so much of it that I'm almost like normalized to it. That it's like, that's just what's going on. That's what exists. And it's like you said, a deal that, that that's what's going on. And that's kind of like the only reason that, that it, people would be able to get away with what's been going on in the world, you know? And people, it's not it's not a rude awakening to me at this point i'm just like that's just the way things are in this world people have been vicing other other people on their um on their lusts right like like you said if there's a if there was a judge and you know he sleeps with some girl and they get pictures of them then that'll be like hey you better do what we say or we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna show this to your wife she's gonna divorce you you're gonna lose your porsche you're gonna lose your business or yada yada like I mean, look at Hillary Clinton. How the hell did she, how the hell is she not behind bars right now? Like the amount of murders that surround the Clintons, yeah, like it's insane. So you you would infer, uh, I mean, would you infer as I do that that we are in a spiritual battle? And this is not this is not the old because uh, we've always had fraud and greed and corruption in politics, and we've always had power corrupting. But this is at a whole other level, what we've been seeing over the past few years. I mean, would you also infer that this is a spiritual battle that we're in? 100%. Definitely. And, and, we are, and we are losing because they have been slowly leaking that into the the mainstream through Hollywood, through you name it, TV commercials, kids cartoons. It, there's so many subliminal stuff that have been going on right now that slowly leak that stuff. So it kind of starts to normalize it over the years, over the years. I, I don't know. I mean, I, even go ahead. Sorry. I, no worries. I, I tried really hard, uh, you know, in the beginning of this because, you know, I definitely have a tendency to, to, to be more contrarian. Right. So I was like, okay, I want to really make sure that I'm, you know, there's a what's Hanlon's razor is um, it, it states, you know, never attribute to malice that which can be ascribed to incompetence or stupidity or something like that. Um, and so I try to look at it from that perspective. I was like, OK, there's a lab leak incompetence, right? The cover or like like the you know what they're trying to do to, to, to fix it, you know, the lockdowns and the masks and stuff. But there was so many inconsistencies and so many contradictions. And then as time goes on, we see all of these connections. And it's just so hard now to, to look at it as anything else other than orchestrated because it just came perfectly from every other angle. Like you couldn't you, you, you could not organize a better system to especially to destroy the West, but just in general, you know, to to steal the freedoms from people that was worked so hard to permeate the zeitgeist, you know, for so long, we lived under kings and queens and, you know, democracy was under the it was was foreign. And and, and now, you know, we, we're, we're finally reaching some kind of awakening, we, we'd gone through that, and then it's just sliding away. And it's just so concerted from every angle, you're like, I, I can't think of, of anything but a, a, just a larger conspiracy from you know, the pharmaceutical companies and then these 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 cabals of elites like the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and shit. And it all just dovetails so nicely together that you're like, I can't anymore ever think that this was just incompetence. This seems like they released that bioweapon on purpose 
or they were they had all the gears in the work because they knew it was going to happen one day and they were just waiting for the for the big pandemic whether it came from a lab or in the wild or something that they were ready for everything else to steal back all of those rights to you know i, I really think that like when you look at like the world economic forum what they're after it's a neo-feudalist agenda right they want everybody to rent everything just like the the, the times of the barons and and the serfs you know well, if, if someone that takes step, takes a step time to step back and look at the big picture, they'll realize that everything is tied together. And that's where these elites, occultists, that's what they understand. I believe that that's what the, the Masons, like the 30 to 3 degree Masons, I'm sure that's what they're talking about. And they understand the big picture of things. Like, I mean, that's like you're saying, Blaine, like how it dovetails together. I mean, they, they knew that COVID would crash the stock market and then everybody would buy in at that point and, and get rich. Like think about the, the people that got rich off, off what happened here. Not just, uh, not just the corruption of, of the indoctrination of the fear that surrounded it, but there's so many angles that people use to profit off what happened the last two years that it's sickening. And it's, it's such a big picture and it's still going on to this day through all aspects of life that it just people it, people can't even fathom it unless unless you think that either we're all tied together and it's just all happening at once or someone has orchestrated this because they understand that look no further than interest rates right like what everybody got in at low interest rates everybody went and bought a home they crank up the interest rates now and it's going to put people out of they're going to have to foreclose the banks can own their home and now everybody's going to be a renter like if you look at <clears throat> what the stated agenda of the world economic forum is it's like that's how they're going to do it they're not going to come and buy i mean obviously they were buying up a lot of single family homes blackrock and all these other groups but um the best way to do it is to make all the people who own homes not be able to own them anymore and you can seize that property and now you can rent them out right and so it's just like it all fits this overarching you know control of everyone rent everything and then depopulate and that's what it seems like to me anyway it makes me laugh that someone just figured all this out that it's all gonna fall into place like abdiel is there something that's gonna roadblock this well as I said, I, I come at this uh, having that knowledge that we're in a spiritual battle and we have a model for how this plays out. And it's Pharaoh and Moses. So Moses and the Israelites are pinned between they've got Pharaoh's pursuing army behind them. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. And they're in great fear. And Moses says, do not fear, for we will have deliverance, or words to that effect. So th the way that story culminates is that Pharaoh and his army and his chariots are drowned in the Red Sea. That is how this ends for the globalists and the, uh, and the tyrants. My question is, is it going to be, is it going to be that quick or is it going to be something like when you look at the oppression and tyranny of the Soviet Union that went on for decades, you know, that's what I, that's what my fear is. Um, though I know we shouldn't fear, right? That's my fear is that looking at, you know, how protracted and long this can go on. I mean, we're already three years in to this mania and it just seems like every day they're still trying to ramp it up, even though, you know, the pandemic itself seems to have passed. 
they're still holding on to their powers and they're just they're I just I just know they're ready for the next shoe to drop any day, you know, and just to keep it going. And it's like I worry about how complacent people are. But in the spirit of hope, seeing how many people just in my, even my own personal circles that have come around who took two shots, but now see it for what it was, won't take another one. They're over it. And now they're kind of read in my sister being what my father, like I have, you know, people that were rigidly on the other side of this issue in the beginning have, have come over. So when I look for, for rays of hope is that, you know, the, the, the larger, you know, every day it gets larger and larger because the institutions, when they did all of this, they had to take all that credibility that they built up for, you know, hundreds of years, right. And in, in government in banking and in, in, you know, and everything, right. Um, they had all this credibility that the CDC and stuff, and they burned it all on this one gamble, right. They're like, it has to work for them because so many people, they're not going to trust the mainstream media anymore. There was too many inconsistencies. They were lied to too many times and people aren't, you know, people can be complacent. They can, you know, they could be lulled by, you know, uh, screen time and all these other addictions that we have, but you lie to people enough, you know, uh, eventually one person in 10 is going to keep on finding a new lie and being like, you know what? They're right. The guy, my neighbor, who was this anti-vaxxer guy, that fucker was right because I heard this lie and I keep on hearing more lies and I just can't take it anymore. Well, if you think of this as a poker game and so there's the World Economic Forum, there's the various globalist groups and they're looking at their hand and they've got a king they've got uh now is it time for a great reset and they've got a queen they've got uh yuval humans are no longer useful humans are hackable animals and they've got another queen a small fringe minority holding unacceptable views so the, all they've got is a pair of queens and they know they don't have a hand. So what they keep doing is they keep raising the stakes because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get us to fold and they're, they're bluffing. Mm -hmm. And so certainly... once, at the end, their, their hand is going to be called and they're going to be shown for a pair of queens. And what we have is the royal flush. Mm -hmm. But sadly, I feel like so many people are just so easily um, brainwashed is, is the easy, you know, I, I hate to use that term, but we, we've just become so easily conditioned. And I, I say we collectively, not as, you know, this group itself, but uh, it is it is good to see some people coming around with it. But it is sad that people just, you know, accepting to pay for food with your phone, like, that in itself should have been something people, you know, kind of took heed to back in the day, in my opinion. So that's what worries me about, you know, expecting people to, to understand that if you stand up and realize you have basic rights today, your kids might have them tomorrow, you know? But Nate, everybody knows somebody that's injured now, right? Everybody knows somebody oh, yeah. that was injured, whether or not... 40% of the population, they did, they've actually done recent polls, 40% of the population knows somebody directly that was affected negatively because of, you know, this experiment. Your, your chance of a serious adverse event is one in 800 per shot, right? 
three shots. Those aren't those aren't terrible odds to just to know somebody, right? That's got a you know uh, had a stroke or I know plenty of people. Like I know a lot of just from like first degree, second degree, even third degree. The numbers are crazy, right? And it's just it can't be explained by anything else. And you know when people lose loved ones, they're gonna look for explanations. When they see that their relative's death was put up as a you know, even though they knew it was the jab, they're like, listen, it was two days after or he was healthy. And then this, he was an athlete and now he's having a heart attack. And the only thing that changed, like, you know, the coincidence has come along and then you're going to realize like, well, you did this to us. How many stillbirths and miscarriages when you see the birth rate plummeting, right? This is the this is the greatest evil, you know, in my book is giving it to the six month olds and doing this to the pregnant women, because that's the future generation. Right. And I mean, everybody should just be a, the absolutely in, in, in horror over this. And this is the thing is that there's no, the only people that are waving this flag are on the internet, right? There's no mainstream media. Like the public health office locked down the whole country for these a few COVID deaths. They should be, they should be uh, rattling every fucking saber they have to be like, well, we got this big problem with the births. What's going on? Like at least trying to explain it away with something. They don't have anything, right? They're talking about air particles causing these sudden heart attacks or climate change causing all these sudden deaths. You know, it's just, it's like they, they ran out of their script. They're like, shit, this didn't work as well as they had hoped. Or I don't, I don't know, but I, I really think the tide is turning. Yeah, I think they've made uh, some critical errors along the way. So I disagree with what you were saying earlier, Mike, when you said that we're losing, because it might appear like that superficially, but there's a bigger game in play here. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I think you're right. Like maybe eventually they're, they're going to fool, but I, I got to tell you, I, I went and paid my heat bill today for one month. It was $300. I mean, we've had this house for 40 years and I've never paid a heat bill like that before. So yeah. People are about to snap if that's what's going on. Like, and that should yeah. be in favor of this argument, Mike, because, you know, you put people in a tough bind, they're going to blame the people that put them there, right? They're going to look online and be like, what's causing all this inflation, right? Oh, you got the Jagmeet Singhs out there and stuff saying, oh, it's just, it's, you know, I'm sure there's a small aspect of this, but they're saying, oh, it's just the the, the grocery stores are gouging. That's why the prices are going up, right? It's, no, it's, it's across all metrics and people are going to know. They're like, listen, I go to my local butcher, right? He's not affiliated with some big grocery store chain. He had to raise his prices, right? Uh, so they're going to get the information one way or another and whether or not all it takes is one avenue to get into understanding the whole thing, whether you come to it from the economic side and say, hey, what's this inflation thing about? You mean to tell me the government targets 2% inflation every year? That's 2% wage theft every year, right? When if people can make that connection that the government is actually trying to erode your purchasing power to destroy the middle class and the lower class and give that money up, that's just one avenue into this distrust of the institution. Maybe that takes you down another rabbit hole. That's how I came into the whole world of, of conspiracy and stuff. It wasn't 9-11 or anything else for me. It was learning from our sponsors, Sovereign Silver, or sorry, Sun City Silver and Gold Exchange. Um, my buddy Steve down there, you know, he's the one that, that, that told me kind of about how money works. Where does it come from? I'd never thought about it before because we go to school and they never once in, in the education system tell you what money comes from, what it's supposed to represent. And once you know, you're like, okay, you know, that's one domino down or you come to it from the vaccine injured angle or you come to it from seeing all this world economic form. They're talking about depopulation, like Jesus Christ, like that's, you know, a red flag, the birth rate, everything. So I, I really think that, you know, the internet's been a double-edged sword and I think it's it's sharpest in our favor uh, on that side because it's really 
it allows us to circumvent the news. And like you say, like, or like I said, all the institutions, especially the media have lost their credibility. People don't take it seriously anymore. The CBC viewership, now that Twitter added that functionality to see how many views the tweets get, and you can see how many likes they get, they're just absolutely screwed. Oh, they've got all these followers, nobody pays attention to them. 1% of the population watches the CBC. The government gave them 48 uh, million on top of the 54 bonus, $54 million bonus last year. That's last year, that's one year, right? Us taxpayers paid both of those bills, you know, over one point, what was it, 1.4 billion. I'm pretty sure it's 1.4. You know, here's the problem though. When you get above 500,000, it's tough. And when you're devaluing, you know, um, money in itself, we're, we're having to notice that that change, right? So people that were used to just, you know, oh yeah, everything goes through my online account. Well now, holy shit, it's it's down with less digits than it did before. Dad, daddy, mommy, what's going on here? You know? Well, and look at the the frivolity of all the, like how easy the government can spend money, you know, billions to Ukraine, right? They can't get clean water to a reservation over here. All of these things are questions people are gonna have to ask because they're like, wait, I'm broke, everything's fucked, but we have all this money to spend on war? Like, come on, we've got problems at home for Christ's Period, sake. period. That's yeah. that's how it should be, you know? I, I Yeah, again, I think we're all on the same page here in the, in the same in the same dialogue. Um, we will uh, make sure we ask when we get back our, our famous shit talk question, which is, uh, where where do you think we're going where 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 do we go from here is is the the big question on shit talk um abdil do you, do you care do you care to uh spend a couple minutes letting us know where you think we're going and that can be like globally or you know short term long term well as i said i i see the the utter downfall of the globalist and tyrannical agenda what what's in question as blaine asked is how long is this going to go on in the meantime and what are we going to go through in the meantime and uh that we're still figuring out uh i you know uh zev zelenko the the great doctor the late great doctor uh and he said uh we're in this chess game and uh, i i've played it through and uh the the the, the cabal is going to lose the question is how many people are they going to how many people are they going to take down with them in the meantime so i the way i see it is let's save as many let's save ourselves and let's save as many other people as we can uh, so that when our victory comes uh, we have uh, as many people as possible to enjoy it and as I've said, I coming, I'm coming at this as, as a as a spiritual battle, and I take seriously resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we are more than conquerors, so I don't call this. A, I don't say I'm. We're resisting so much as we're conquering. This is a conquest. We're 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 playing out here. And it all harkens back to the power of the individual, right? Because it's in, like, you know, and, it, and it's very hopeful because we are four individuals that are talking about this in my own life. Um, you know, was I able to change some minds? Yeah. And I changed the mind of my, my childhood best friend 
who was on the other side of this, like a zealot on the other side of this. And we fought so hard about this because he was like, no, you're conspiracy theorists. There have to be safe. You're not doing, you're not protecting your neighbors, wear the mask on and on all the things. And every day I just bring him new data about it. And I'd say, listen, man, I'd come at it from the, the constitutional angle. I'm like, it's wrong no matter what ethically. I yeah. talk about the mask efficacy. I talk about the data. And here's the thing is that when we were kids, I remember I've known him since I was uh, six years old, 27 now. Um, and I was like, when we were kids, you had myocarditis. So, uh, you know, that's a big side effect of this. You might be at like an extra risk for that. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. And I send him a link, look into it. And uh, uh, that was the day he was going to go down and get his shots. And he ended up not getting his shots. And, uh, you know, like, I'm not saying maybe he wouldn't have had an adverse reaction or anything like that, but it's just, that's the power of the individual is just, you know, just keep on fighting, keep on getting it in there. Cause one becomes two. And now he is more on this side than even I, like he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's so deep into the, into this side now you wouldn't believe it. So it's like, that's just a little bit of ray of sunshine out of all of this. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you save, I forget, I heard a proverb the other day, some, something like if you save one person, you save a world. So yeah. our what what might seem like a small action may have massive, massive ramifications. It could be world changing. It could be his. Yeah, that's, you know, change one person, save the world. It's um, it's like I, I put a video out there um, just a just a short TikTok um, while back there and said, you know, if people just talk to their neighbors instead of calling snitch lines on them we'd probably all be in a better place right now. You know, everybody has a level of social anxiety these days. I don't care where you sit on any, you know, end of the medical spectrum or, or personal belief in, in how things are going. Right. But it's, it's just really sad. Um, You know, I work in public, I work on the roads, I work, I work night shifts as well. And uh, you know, seeing the homeless population and, and what's happening there. Um, And I don't know what's, you know, has, has anybody looked into what's going on with forced vaccination for for social service checks yet? Like, is that going to be something that they're they're implementing? Or I'm not sure about the social service checks. I did hear, and I'm not sure if it's substantiated yet, but that uh, if you want to apply for the medically assisted suicide in Canada, you have to have two vaccines. Oh. Is what is, is what I had heard, and I was like, that's got to be the most ridiculous thing. And that I think we mentioned this last podcast, Nate. It, it seems like they're the government is okay with you dying from anything but COVID. They have to get you that shot. If you want to refuse blood because you're Jehovah's Witness, that's fine. You can you can die in the hospital. We don't care. If you're depressed, we'll kill you. We don't care. Mentally ill, kill you. We don't care. But you gotta have your boosters. You can't die from COVID. Mm -hmm. So I, I I'm not as familiar with uh, with what's been going on in. Canadian hospitals, but here in the UK, I mean, one of the red pills uh, was to realize the euthanasia, the involuntary euthanasia that was going on in 2020, and the UK government getting through three years worth of midazolam and fentanyl uh, in, in just several months. And uh, so a lot of the deaths that were called COVID deaths were actually medical murder. And meanwhile, something similar going on, and I think still going on in U.S. hospitals, uh, putting people on murderous protocols with remdesivir and sedation, restraint, zip ties, 
involuntary do not resuscitate orders, starvation, dehydration, just unbelievable levels of cruelty and destruction going on in US hospitals. I mean, what what was going on in Canadian hospitals in 2020? Well, that's the thing, and I, I've mentioned before, you know, we, we've never had an underwhelmed healthcare system. So they had time for to organize some flash mobs, you know, the nurses and the doctors that were all like, oh, what's going on? Oh, you know, because we waited, right? During the pandemic when we should have all just, you know, done more than just lock down, you know, they, uh, or depending on how you look at it, right? In, in my opinion, we shouldn't have done anything or we should have shut everything down, including the hospitals, if it's that serious, you know? At the beginning, though, that was the thing. And, you know, to talk about, uh, I know we all want to hear Abdeel's origin stories of how he got into this, but, you know, um, it, it it was, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> slipped right, it slipped right out of me. But, uh, no, Abdeel, tell us how you got, into you know getting red pilled about this covid thing well as all this started to unfold in the beginning of 2020 i felt this instinctive disgust and revulsion at what was going on and the measures that the government was taking the british government and i thought this has to be violating international law this this cannot be and but I didn't know what the applicable international law was. And I asked them of my friends if they knew of a book that could help with that, and they didn't. And so I started doing the research and realized that it was my job to write it. And one of the major red pills for me at the beginning was this uh, consultation document the British government put out in the summer of 2020. And the very first thing it says, the very first sentence of the very first paragraph, COVID-19 is the greatest threat this country has faced in peacetime history. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. That is so easy to, to disprove. I mean, that the, uh, a school child has heard about the Black Death, has heard about this, this uh, plague that swept through Europe and wiped out between a third and a half of the population. And yet, these, I mean, it's not just evil, it, it, I mean, they're moronic, coming up with a statement like that. And the second paragraph begins, vaccines will be the best way to deal with the pandemic. And again, this is uh, six months before, or roughly six months before uh, the supposed vaccine showed up. And they, they assert without any uh, evidence at all that that's, that's going to be the best approach to this. And then they're talking about, oh, it's only fair that we give legal uh, indemnity for everyone in the supply chain. And, oh, yes, we're going to use the military to uh, roll this out. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you know, uh, so that was that was uh, uh, an important red pill for me to see what was get some inkling of what the agenda was. And then the spring of 2021, you've got Peter McCullough saying the normal the normal uh, procedure is once some medical product has killed 50 people, that's it, you take it off the market. And already by then, uh, thousands, even according to official statistics, thousands of people had died, mm -hmm. uh, let alone the, the many, many multiples of that um, that were not counted in the official data. And it wasn't pulled off the market. And that's when I thought, oh, 
oh, okay. This is genocide. Well, there's and a football then, uh, player on TV last night. Did you guys catch that? What's that? What was that? A football player? Pigskin? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. There's some... Um, yeah, and then... Yeah, a lot of young people going, and, you know, it's scary how they they can spin the story. You know, they, they had, I guess, his doctor, his, his yeah, his doctor came out on Twitter and said, yeah, I, I just gave him his booster however many weeks ago or whatever. And uh, and then he was, then he removed it off Twitter. Oh. Yeah, like almost immediately. But yeah, people, it, it's scary. And and what's what's even scarier, I, I, I enjoy it. I think quite like most of us where, you know, it's it's kind of refreshing to see this happening and more coming to light where, you know, you've always had that kind of creepy ID idea of, of celebrity or, you know, like myself, not really following the mainstream ever, you know, to, you know, kind of be like, well, you know, it's good. It's kind of good that a lot of this is coming to light and hopefully we start living in an age of accountability Right. We had the freedom of information age. Now we seem to have the responsibility from accountability age. But I'm hoping that that spins around. And, and in reality, you know, um, looking up laws and, and being able to understand that, you know, we need to start holding people accountable as as people, you know, regardless of uh, for what reason you did or didn't want to, you know, go ahead with this being part of uh, any treatment that, you know, again, there's people that have grown up and, and not given their kids vaccines for ever, you know, generations. Right. So, yeah, we should we should be enforcing, the, like you say, enforcing the laws ourselves in whatever way we can, because like if the judicial system's not going to do it, the government's not going to do it. What's left is civil disobedience. Right. If you see your health officer and you own a business, don't serve them. Right. Like, you know, whatever, whatever avenue you have to enact some form of justice i say go for it right because like, that's you know it's down to the power of the individual right uh, put up a sign in your shop we're not going to serve any you know health officials or you know so and so whatever you can right because it's like that's what's left to us is, is what we're doing right now is, is having these communications and this is what to me is so hopeful about you know like the the awakening of so many people we we're talking earlier about oh yeah people get find it through a lie this lie, that lie, they're going to find their way to the truth, right? The more lies that are spread, eventually they'll see them, right? But there's the hope in, in people sharing positive data, right? And, and, and having these conversations. One of the most hopeful things that I had was um, that I didn't have to, you know, my, my workplace, I work as a carpenter and, uh, you know, residential construction and stuff. My boss is a really chill guy. We've been friends for a long time and we were on other sides of this thing. But we and we would have we would stop work and have a debate for two hours about this going back and forth. And he'd be like, you know, this he had this and I've seen this argument around where it's like, um, you know, I'd, I'd argue, well, freedom, you know, like, look what's enshrined in the in the Charter of Rights and stuff. This is, you know, is what liberty means. You don't segregate half the fucking population or 20 percent or whoever's not going to get this shot because, you know, it, it's 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 morally objectionable. It's legally or lawfully objectionable based on what we have. But he'd be that he'd counter with, 
you know, uh, well, what about the other people's freedoms that you'd be taking by being in society, spreading this and stuff? And we'd get into this, this, I've heard this asinine debate before, but we'd really get into it. But the beautiful thing about it was, is that we could argue, we could butt heads, but at the end of the day, we were still friends and we could have that civil discourse. And at the time, right, I didn't have much of a community. I was, I was still in the, the, the vast minority of, of people shaking their fists at the clouds saying this is wrong. And everyone's like, no, you're wrong. You're a loser. Look at all this evidence and look at the news and all this shit. And uh, so, you know, it felt very ostracized. But the fact I could have, at least with one person in my life, a, a, a disagreement that was civil, because we don't do that anymore. Everything's so tribal in the news. You're, oh, you're a right winger. We're going to write you off. You're a left winger. We're going to write you off. Right. But to, to meet and have those and we butt heads every week, we'd have a new a new thing. But and slowly I wore him down or I'd I'd take his points and I'd come back and I'd be like, hey, man, remember when you said that? Like, let's break that down again. And over time, it was just like water on rock. Eventually, he's like, OK, you know, I can grant that the vaccines don't prevent transmission. And so therefore, the mandates are extra stupid. And I was like, they're stupid, but also because of the charter. And uh, but, you know, that was a really hopeful thing. This being invited on here and being able to share in these conversations with guests and stuff has been a, a huge uh, kind of ray of sunshine in this. And I think like the biggest one for me out of all of it was um, was the, the Freedom Convoy, but also the local protests. We during the Freedom Convoy, because not all of us could make it from B.C. out to Ottawa and stuff. We drove down to the Asuyas border. And there was just we just went down there and we just clogged up the border and there was there was a thousand people out there and it was just such a happy like you know talking about my generation and stuff and what they've done we've really ripped away the sense of community you know everything's online you're this giant community out there but there's nothing locally you don't get together with people or share what's going on in your community and i got to go down there and see all these people that live around me that share my concerns and stuff and it was such a happy vibrant atmosphere in the same way you saw those live videos of downtown ottawa during the, the convoy it's like ah i have brothers i have a family here and it was such a warm and fuzzy event and so things like that, like, you know, love will triumph. And I really believe that because that that was just it was so manifest. We're all there because we're angry and we get together and all there is is love. It was crazy. Yeah. And it really we felt it here in the UK, seeing the Canadian truckers and, and beholding the three lanes of a highway full of uh, trucks as far as the eye could see. And that, that level of uh, joy and solidarity and that stand for rights against a tyrannical government, that has, I mean, that is etched, that is etched in my, in my vision, my memory. You know, it's interesting. It's is... good to hear that. It really is good to hear that because, you know, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, still, you know, thinking that it was such a mess. And I know people personally downtown Ottawa that were, hey, I'm happy the Indian restaurant's open. I'll tell you what, though, I got offered more food in that two blocks from my downtown apartment with those stupid horns every now and again. You know, they're getting better, but, you know, it's still sometimes annoying. You know, yeah, they were good with it. I know a lot of locals from from down there that were, you know, they were good with it. So they don't, yeah, it's it's good to hear that, that people and, and that the media, because that's my biggest worry is this, this total control and censorship that's being unveiled, right? I do give Elon Musk some props, but I'm still a little a little hesitant on what his, you know, overall direction is on this on this matter. But I'm curious, um, Deal. What are like? Who do you follow? Is there like a Twitter? Is there Rumble? Or is there anybody like that that you uh, that you keep track with as well and and see what's uh, well the the, the 
the voices that I've gravitated towards most are the people on the Stu Peters network. So there's Stu Peters himself, there's uh, Dr. Jane, Dr. Jane Ruby, Maria Z. And I also listen to Mike Adams, the health ranger, the health ranger report. I enjoy his, his stuff. So, I mean, there's more, there's more wonderful stuff out there than, than one can possibly consume. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty avid about uh, following all this stuff. There's, there's one thing I wanted to add uh, to what you guys were saying about the truckers there is that what the truckers did has given us the key to master um, what's going on because I don't know what it's like in the UK, Abdil, but if, if the truckers decided to all shut down beyond protesting anywhere, I'm just talking about if all the truckers decided that's enough's enough, then Ottawa or the capital of or America as well, they would have no choice but to comply and change their ways. And I've, I've heard a lot of truckers still talking about this. I just saw a video the other day of the truckers mentioning this. If the truckers shut everything down, it's only a matter of days before everything and everyone goes into panic mode. The politicians would have to respond. If it was two weeks of the truckers not moving one thing across the country, the countries would shut down. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's how vital they are. Yeah, I, I feel under siege quite often uh, by the tyrants because we see, I mean, first of all, it was the the medical tyranny and then attacking the food supply, attacking the fuel supply, creating legislative tyranny, issues of writing tyranny into acts and statutes and feeling besieged on every side. But what you're saying is actually you're reversing the siege. You, that that's where they, the people come together and besiege the, the government. Well, that's the thing. These governments think that they have the power, but in reality, what we need to remind ourselves of is, is that it, it comes down to all these individuals, the farmers, you know, the, the meek, the lowest among us, you know, the, 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 the farmers and the, and, and, and the truckers, right? These people that no one thinks about, but they, they could, they run everything, you know, they keep it all going. The government wants to legislate what happens on farms, what kind of fertilizer you can use on and on and on. And they think they have this authority to do this shit on people, but you know, you're pissing off the wrong kind of the, the wrong class of people. And we're seeing how effective just that method of protesting is right. Just, you know, not even stopping trap going down and, and blocking up your, your capital for for two weeks, right? You can do that people can do that on mass. And there's nothing they can do about it. you can't move that many vehicles and the tow truck drivers wouldn't even move them. They had a they had to hire private guys they are wearing masks, so they don't get identified because they're they're totally frightened, right? And they're like, that goes to show, right? It, it doesn't take it doesn't take a majority of people. It just takes a few, right? To... And and that's where the the failure will happen is that these people don't understand that the people that are on our side that are, that have the same ideals as all of us here are the people that are going and fixing the power lines in the middle of the winter, the people that are working on the oil rigs, the farmers that are driving multi million dollar combines. Pe these people don't even understand where their food comes from, you want to mess, like you're saying, Blaine, 
you want to mess with a farmer? My fam, my wife's family. I've been on their their farms in Saskatchewan. You don't understand how big the operations are. These combines are sophisticated machinery, and these politicians they've never even been out of their their gated communities. They don't. They have no idea. I did. I didn't have until I met my wife. I had no idea until I went to these farms to see how big the operations are. These wheat farmers and 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 how how they supply the food chain to not only us, but many other countries. Like they are one cog in the wheel that you do not want to piss off. Yeah. You can crush a lot of cop cars with one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, these people take out loans on these million dollars equipment. And then these people are going to say, well, we're shutting down your farm. Like what, what are you talking about? I have like, like I can't just shut everything down and like, I'm full on invested in what's the operation. Like, yeah, it'll well, destroy did, me. Right. Like I did hear a rumor um, running around there. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but apparently the Virgin, the Virgin islands is suing the Deutsche bank. Well, I, I heard that uh, the Virgin islands was suing JP Morgan. That is yes. wrong. Yes. For their role in funding Epstein. But, but then I heard that the Attorney General, and I forget her name, but that she was fired. Yep. So there again, I, I infer this must be a secret society operation. Without They're operating behind the scenes. Anyone who, who opposes them, they're going to coordinate behind the scenes together to try and get them out of the picture. And that's all it is, really. It's just a quick, uh, what's that, uh, rabbit in the hat game, right? Just a act of deception. Keep keep the uh, the game in play and the shell moving, right? I mean, who it's gets curious. to decide that an attorney general can just be taken out of her office? Mm -hmm. At a, you know, on, on the whim of uh, someone. I don't even know who who orchestrated it. Whether so, it's an elected position or. I don't know. And I'm beginning to wonder about this because I've been, a, you guys may have known Abdil, I'm, I'm a fan of Andrew Tate. And right before he got in big trouble here, um, been arrested, he was speaking out about how the American elections were rigged for Biden. And what he was talking about, if you ever get a chance to see that part of what he was talking about, as soon as he was talking about it, I was like, it was a big eye opener. He made, he made absolute sense and i was thinking like he's going into some deep deep water here trying to poke at that bear and soon after i'm like something's going to happen to him shortly after three days later he's arrested so i was like oh man. one thing i also kind of uh, brought up not to not to uh, go back too much but um you know looking at the at the truckers the rebellion aspect of it like when that went around the world like, you know, Abdil, you've, you, you saw it, you were inspired by it and everything. Um, it kind of talks to this motive that I think many people identify with. Like, we, you know, we watched Star Wars as a kid. Everyone identified with the rebels. Everybody was like, mm -hmm. oh, if I was in that, you know, situation or whatever, I'd always be on the right side of history. If I was in Nazi Germany, I'd be the guy with his arm down in the crowd. If I was here, you know, it's like we all, I, and I, I believe this, we all 
kind of identify within ourselves as a rebel, but so many people when, when pushed, they don't either don't know their history, they don't know the implications of what's coming. And it's just, it's such a shame to see that, you know, we didn't learn the lesson from these stories. I believe stories have such power, right? I, I'm not religious, but I, I find so much value in, 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 in the Bible, in, in the lessons that are taught, because stories have value. You can always pull information out of them. And that's what I was just so perplexed by all of this is that we, so many people in society poo-pooed the rebels, right? They turned their nose up and they called them seditionists and stuff. It's like, you guys are on the side of the empire. Like, you don't, mm. you don't see that like you're part of the oppressor class. Like this is, it's in our media. Like we've been told so many times and you're the guy that's, that's shilling for the establishment for pharma. Like what, the, where did we go wrong? Yeah, I, people scare me. I mean, they, we, we have a we have a uh, a corrupt class. Uh, we know who they are, but the number of people who are just folding and going along with it, or even cheerleading the tyranny, uh, I, and I wonder. Well, if you saw people being people's doors being knocked in and they're being taken away and, and put in camps or something. Are, are you going to protest or are you just going to, you're just going to say, Oh, you know, it's, that's just their problem. I'm not going to get it involved. And that's what scares me about them. I, 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 there's so many people are just going to be passive and just let it happen and not, and not speak up and not, not defend, not defend those who are defending them. And so many of those people are in, you know, in private company, they don't agree with whatever everything that's going on, but they can't be bothered or whatever their excuse is for for getting out there. But it's like, you know, if you knew anything about history, the best time to nip tyranny in the bud is before it's already dominated everything. And then they're taking political prisoners or they're doing re-education camps and, you know, on and on. Right. It's just like this is the dystopia. And we, we see the inklings coming along. We've all well, most of us read in school, like at least you know, 1984 or something like that. Or like you say, watch Star Wars, like Christ, you know, you just need to have have a little bit of self-awareness and you're like, okay, this is the time to stand up. And it's just, you know, not before it's too late. And that's what's so scary because you look at the historical parables of, of, of you know, good, uh, probably good people in Germany and stuff. You know, obviously there had to be some and so many people went along with it until it was too late. And then you had to go along with it because the punishment was so much greater, right? And, you know, it was it was even harder down the line to mount your rebellion because the stakes were that much higher. The stakes weren't as high at the at the the, the trucker protest, but once now they have this precedent of seizing bank accounts and you know shipping people off here and there. Or you, you you know Tamara Leach didn't get bail. She was she was held. We we let murderers have bail, but we don't let you know political dissidents. It's it's just it's it's, it's bridge too far. And like well we're gonna go all the way. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and I wonder where the police are in all of this because <laughs> the British oath, uh, the British police have a really good oath to uphold fundamental human human rights and to uphold the law regarding human rights. And what right is more fundamental than the right to life? And the right to life is being denied here. So what are the police doing and, and and so to come back to you know what actions we're going to take if criminals are not only at large but are purporting to rule over us and the police are not doing their job then 
as you say, it's up to us to do what the police are not doing. And if they impede us, then we need to start arresting and prosecuting them. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame that that wasn't uh, brought up right after that um, dismantling, if you want to call it that, to the, you know, considered success of breaking up the convoy, which took place after things had already been sorted out and apparently they were going to move along anyways, right? So they'd yeah. already begun. They'd already begun to move along yeah. the the whole idea of the Emergencies Act invocation was to clear the the was it the Windsor Bridge or the Ambassador Bridge or whatever it was. Already because yeah. you know Trudeau got a call from Biden, the auto industry shutting down because they're not getting the, the parts down there and stuff. But by then the bridge was already cleared. A lot of the people had already moved out of the downtown core to this place where, was where they had been suggested to go by officials and just to keep this ball rolling, but they'd already pushed the button on the Emergencies Act and they got a, and you know, I mean, we've seen the videos of like, it wasn't just police officers, it's people in military garb with no name tags walking down the street with these fucking batons beating people, right? Like literally enacting violence on citizens for, for, for their disagreement with the government. It was absolutely horrendous. And you know, these, those police officers, they're citizens too, they're people too. And so you just have to wonder like, well, you know, I wonder this... if some of them are mercenaries. Right. Because I mean, we've, we've had a lot of infiltration in Britain of of mercenaries and, and UN troops uh, coming in, and they're, they're coming in under the guise of being asylum seekers, and then they're going in, getting their hotels paid for, and they're young men of military age, they've got military haircuts, uh, so it's pretty obvious what's going on here that it, it was definitely obvious here because if you're gonna invoke them the the act that they did why wouldn't you bring in our military why would you hide hire outside forces but that's what they did do you know what i mean like what, yeah. we have our own military it's an emergency act wouldn't you bring in our military but i don't think they wanted they knew that if they they did that they'd cross the line and i think the military would have said no and maybe that's yeah. what happened. I'm not sure, but well, yeah. I mean, the fact, well, the fact uh, is that there was there were still police officers in full garb that were beating people, stomping on them with horses, you know, charging mm -hmm. through them. We've all we've seen the video, the old lady in the in, in the in the chair that got knocked yeah. over, and then the guy that we don't know anything about that got trampled really hard. Um, you know, a lot of people speculate that he might have died. Like I don't know that anybody knows who that man was. Um well, just the whole cruelty of bringing horses in and subjecting them to do something they naturally do not want to do, which is get that close to people to risk trampling on them. No, no animal ever wants to, you know, very, you know, you got to be having a pretty wild Mustang in a bad mood on a bad day, you know, to want to trample people intentionally or, or cause harm to them. Right. Like, yeah, it's it, like I said, it's, it's just as sad for the animals, if not more. Right. You'd have more sympathy on both sides, I think, if you looked at it that way and said, you know, feel what about the horse's feelings, too. Right. I, I want to uh, bring it back to to this uh, emergency. OK, yeah, so I wanted to get back to the emergency act and the lawful standing or otherwise of it. So. I mentioned before the Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights. And if there's one piece of legislation to print out and carry around with you, it's that one. 
Article 6, which is what I quoted before. But maybe the second most important one is the Syracuse Principles uh, drafted in 1984. So I'm going to read it to you and you tell me whether you think any nation has any business having an Emergency Powers Act. So it states, no state party shall, even in time of emergency, threatening the life of the nation, derogate from the covenant's guarantees of the right to life, freedom from torture, cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment or punishment, and from medical or scientific experimentation without free consent, freedom from slavery or involuntary servitude, the right not to be imprisoned for contractual debt, the right not to be convicted or sentenced to a heavier penalty by virtue of retroactive criminal legislation, the right to recognition as a person before the law, and freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. These rights are not derogable, I don't know how to pronounce that, are not derogable under any conditions, even for the assertive purpose, hold on, just need to get that back, these rights are not derogable under any conditions, even for the asserted purpose of preserving the life of the nation, unquote. I read that in your book, man. That's it's a that's a powerful quote. And to, to answer it, no, I don't think any nation should have the ability to suspend fucking habeas corpus, like right down to like nothing. Like uh, the Emergencies Act, you have no rights. You just take it away like... I, I completely agree that that is just a bastardization of, of it because you could drop that whenever it, it's it's politically convenient, as we saw, right? There's no repercussions. They had a little tribunal about it. The, you know, the, the, they selected the judge and he was a liberal donor. So it was all, you know, hand in glove and, and not, nothing came out of it, right? And so it's just, there's, they, because they can't be accountable for it. Because if they were, imagine, you know, their heads would roll, right? So it's yep. it's it's got to be that way for, for them. And that's why it just it doesn't have any business, right? It's, it's you know, and even if it was a war, right? You, what are you going to, like, this whole idea of compelling people to draft and, and, and go to the war, like, we're over that as a society. We saw what happened in Vietnam. We saw what happened with, you know, the, all, the, all, the, all the dirty wars that we've gotten into. And it's, to me, it's egregious even the fact that we can't, choose i mean taxes in, in general but where we we can't choose what pool our taxes go into you can't say oh i want all my taxes to go to healthcare or roads or schools or whatever it's like they take your money and then they go and kill people with it you're like what if you're a pacifist where's your freedom of conscience you're right then when you're no matter what you do you could be a vegan you're complete you don't want to hurt any animal you don't want to hurt anything and your money is going to bombs to kill people somewhere else it's just absolutely horrendous what we do already under the laws we have let alone when you take you take everything away with the emergencies act yeah i would say it is immoral to pay taxes now and we just need to figure out a way to extricate ourselves from that we are in we are regarded as livestock to be tax farmed. That is the corporate system that we have been enrolled in. And this is what we need to dismantle and deliver ourselves and our fellow man from. Well, is, is there a way we could ask maybe a computer program <laughs> how to do that? 
Like in, in reality, I, I'm a firm believer that the best way and, and Blaine pointed this out again in one of the last podcasts as well, that, you know, we just need to vote with our dollars, vote with our wallets and stop spending money as, as frivolously as we do and stop spending in a way that can be tracked. Go to the, you know, I th- I'm a firm believer that if everybody for even one week just went to the bank and said, give me my money in cash for, for my week and did not spend any money digitally, it would throw this system right upside down on its ass. And I think that's one of the quickest ways we also talk, you know, get to know your butcher, get to know your, you know, because he'll know your farmer and he'll know your baker and he'll know your candlestick maker. And there might be a time where we need to know all those people. Keeping your your money in a bank enables them to create their own inflation, right? There's, There's the government inflation from expanding the money supply just by decree through the Bank of Canada and stuff. And then there's what banks do, right? And they, when you deposit funds, right? Because there's now no longer any reserve requirement in Canada. It used to be the bank would have to hold 10% of your funds in reserve. And then they were able to loan out the other 90%. And even with the, the 10 to 90 like that, they were able to take a $100 deposit and turn it into $1,000 because they could loan out this money. And then someone would go and they'd whoever they loaned it to would go put that money in the bank and then they get to extend that money again and again. And you now with zero reserve requirement, every, every bank is essentially a money printing facility that degrades the value of every other dollar in circulation. Right. And as we see, that's, that's part of what this whole wage slavery thing is, is because if, you know, if inflation is a tax specifically on wage earners, because the price of goods goes up, but the wages stay the same or don't go up as much as inflation, right? You're specifically targeting one group of people out of the society, the people who are trying to earn and work for a living, right? And it doesn't affect people who have assets. And so, you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's another form of, of protest of civil disobedience, right? Is just to say, you know what, I'm going to operate in cash I'm, or Bitcoin or whatever. We're going to do our own economy because you guys dropped the ball. You had our trust and then you spent our money on wars and then you expanded the money and you robbed us blind and you transferred all the wealth from the poor to the rich. So this- I didn't realize that because I had heard that the reserve requirement had been reduced to zero in the US. I didn't realize the same thing had happened in Canada. Now, now it's uh, it used to be a requirement, and now it's a uh, reserve. It's a guideline. So they wow. say they say, oh, well, we suggest you do ten percent. I see. Yeah. So, so what happens? Toothless. What happens to a number when the denominator is zero? <laughs> exactly. It's an irrational number. Right. So so. Any number divided by zero is infinity. You have a zero reserve requirement. You have basically signed the death knell of that currency. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's what that's where the U.S. dollar is going. It seems like that's where the Canadian dollar is going too. So this is the collapse of well, this is take, the collapse of fiat currency. Take it well, further, it right? Money because of bricks, right? We were talking about that last podcast as well. And BRICS in itself, the minute the minute two countries decide to do that, game over for anybody that's not sitting there with actual reserve, right? An actual based reserve where you have those assets on hand to borrow that money against them, right? So I'd, I'd add this into the conversation just because I think it's a really important kind of idea about money is that money is speech, right? You when you when you spend it somewhere, you're saying something. You're saying, I support this business. I support this product, right? 
you know, the government comes in and say, we don't want you eating meat, right? And it's like, no, let the people decide if they want to eat meat. If they don't want to eat meat, they'll go and buy fucking vegetables. You don't need to have this, you know, in between, right? And and so when we talk about freedom of expression, it, it, it's not free expression because you've made, you've made words, money in this case being, being the word, it, uh, you've reduced the value of it. And so now we're speaking, but our words carry no weight. You know what I'm saying? As far as the money is concerned, we're, we're passing around these these debt bills that, like you say, or they don't real have any real value because they've inflated it all away, right? So your purchasing power is equivalent to the the power of your word in that case, and they've usurped that from you. But it's such a powerful force because in a free market, right? That's what drives innovation. That's what drives what what people want and need, and 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 it's what makes technology go forward and everything. It's 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 a really simplistic but a universal language that we all speak. And, uh, and, and to degrade that to me is, is a sin almost above any other, but not quite. Have you guys uh, come across goldbacks? So uh, you remember I was, uh, I was talking before that one of the people I listened to is uh, Mike Adams, the Health Ranger Report. He had an interview talking about goldbacks and they are, they're, they're a form of, uh, they're bills. But they are actually infused with gold. Yeah, so there's been, there's been will... a few iterations of this. There was a Canadian silver and gold dealer called Silver Gold Bull, and uh, they'd sell these as well and uh, their own brand of them. And it's a gold foil. They started out a lot more primitive. They've gotten a lot better now with these gold bags. Yeah. I do I do remember seeing them, but it used to be just like a piece of gold foil that was laminated like a dollar bill and but you have to carry it in a little protective sheet because it would wear right and, and get kind of funched up and so i i I've seen, I believe these gold backs are a lot more resistant to damage but it's a it's a great yeah. idea because it takes us back to sound money exactly and well, I, think, I think a big problem um is that um you know guys like us are are on board with with educating ourselves about what we consume but there's there's a whole lot of people and people i love and know that have no interest in learning about the products they're consuming um i mean i can give you a ton of ton of examples and i don't want to name names of people I love. Like my wife for, for for one is like she has no care about eating aspartame um she has no i shouldn't say that in all aspects but like i'm aware like just just the other day i I was eating uh, cashew nuts and I came across a video of how cashew nuts are processed. Well, these poor people in India, um, when you, when you eat cat, when they harvest cash cashews, they actually have, are, uh, have a, a toxic chemical before they're baked. And when they, when they're exposed to certain heat, the chemical is eliminated, which, and then sold on the market. But these people have to, it's a painstaking process to take them out of the shells and yada. So these these import Indian ladies are their fingers are going black, their bodies are being poisoned yeah. for processing these things, and then it all comes down to as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I'm not eating cashews anymore if, if these people have to suffer. But there are a hundred thousand people out there they're eating every day that have no idea about that, and that's just one example. And 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 aspartame in your food and and yada yada. I mean, if you walk in in Walmart, when I walk in Walmart. And I go down the aisles, everything I see is garbage to me. Mm -hmm. But there are people that walk down the aisles and they just load their cart full of that crap. Mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, 
less and less, right? Because in the same way, like you were changed by the information that you wouldn't have had before without the internet, right? You were able to Google that and find that. And now you're able to vote with your dollar and that's a dollar that's not going there. Exactly. And, you know, but there are people that don't, don't care about that. They don't, they're not looking for it. Like, you but, have but, to... but, but look at the health conscious kind of uh, aspect of things like a lot. I wouldn't say the majority by any means, especially in like, you know, the Americas, but uh, more and more people are looking at their health or looking what they're putting in their body. There's a lot of pushback on seed oils right now. And that's making the rounds. Like when people get the data, they start to change their behavior and, you know, podcasts like, you know, Joe Rogan will have a doctor on and they'll tell you about, you know, the, the dangers of carbohydrates and, you know, how inflammatory they can be. And, you know, some people have cured their psoriasis by switching to a carnivore diet and stuff. And so it just, it's that Overton window. It just moves around. And now you're like, okay, uh, if I'm interested in my health, I can go down a lot of different rabbit holes and find, you know, find different ways or, 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 you know, as far as ethics are concerned, right. Where I'm sourcing my food. Well, you know, that'll hearken me back to buying local, right. And supporting my local economy. Hell with those cashews. I'll, you know, get what we sell around here. We got cherries and grapes and, you know, cattle. Let's just stick with the local. Speaking of local, you mentioned, uh, and we'll tie in the, uh, currency actually based on something uh who's our sponsor this week again blaine sun city silver and gold exchange on the corner of uh, bernard and gordon here in Kelowna. you can reach out to them at sovereignize at gmail.com they'll ship anywhere and you can get the best rates in uh for silver and gold anywhere with the promo code shit talk that's a guarantee you can you cannot find a cheaper price and i guarantee steve can find you some some of those gold backs <laughs> So, can you I say that email address again? Yeah, Sorry. So sovereignize at gmail.com. Sovereignize with a Z or? A... With a Z, yeah. Okay. Yeah, with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, he's, I've, I've known him since I was a kid. Like I said, he's the guy that uh, that, that, that kind of showed me the, uh, the truth of how money is created and where it all comes from and debt-based currencies. He's very knowledgeable about the, the history of currencies, you know, 6,000 years, we've been using silver and gold as currency. And, uh, and it's only, you know, people for, for many, many thousand years, people were paid about a dime a day for, for an average day's work, right? It was, there was not some crazy inflation. So, you know, the markets could price that in. And, and at the time, right, um, the purchasing power of that was far more than what you get for a day's wages today. And it just goes to show how using inflationary currency has stripped the purchasing power and, and, and what was worked so hard for so many generations for an individual to value their time as. And as time went on, because they were able to extract this value away from them, you lost that purchasing power in the same way, you know, like in the 60s, a carpenter could afford a, a you know, a house to have a family, go on a vacation, have a car, everything's paid off. And now, like you're renting a house, you're lucky if you have kids and, and, and you'd be struggling, you know, to make ends meet. And that's just the, the reality of money. So the protest that to that is voting with your dollar and voting with your dollar. You could vote with a silver dollar, you could vote with a fiat dollar, and I can guarantee you know, if we get society back on a silver dollar or, or cryptocurrencies, you know, like deflationary ones, like, like, like Bitcoin, um, we, we can change this whole game and usurp that power, right? If money is the root of all evil, well, if you have uh, a system that, that, that removes the evil, you're, you're laughing. Go ahead, Abdul. I said the love of, the love of money. The love of money. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to change gears a bit here because uh, when we talk about the love of money, and so what kicked us off was talking about medical tyranny and the amount of 
And we're also observing the amount of uh, uh, let's say currency. I'll try. I'll try and be correct about it. the amount of currency that big pharma is accruing uh, through all of this. And so this is widely acknowledged, widely seen is the the corruption. Uh, that's the the financial flows are greasing the wheels. Uh, so regulators are looking the other way and so on. So yes, this medical industrial complex is counting the dollars. But, and this goes back to what we were talking about before about secret societies. I would say even more than counting the dollars, they are counting the bodies. Because in their sick system, the more people they can kill, the higher they rise. And one important, one important aspect of it that, 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 that led me in this train of thought was hearing is a doctor called Dr. Bert Berkmar. He's, he's renowned uh, in the field of liver, liver health. And he was saying that when he was a young doctor, other doctors were joking with him saying, you are never going to win the Black Crow Award. And he said, what's the Black Crow Award? He says, it's for the, for the doctor who has the most patients die. So we are in the middle of a global Black Crow Award. I, I mean, I'm a firm believer this is a death cult now, right? It's just, it, yeah. seems, it seems to be the, the best way to describe the motivations of these people. They want to stay alive. They want to kill off a bunch of the population. And whoever's left is, I, I think, in their minds, going to be the subservient class, right? The people who, you know, uh, own nothing and, and, and are, quote unquote, happy that, you know, slave and toil away so they can still have their opulence and, and live on their thrones, but with a much more manageable number of people to control and take us back to that, that, that feudalist uh, style of, of going about things. Yeah, so they're, they're trying to enslave and those they can't enslave, they want to kill off. It seems interesting, though, that the people that will remain as far as with the, after the vaccine deaths are going to be the unvaccinated people, which are probably the least compliant lot of the people. You would think that unless they have a second wave that's going to like only affect people that haven't had the gene therapy, um, it just, it, I, I wonder about that because, you know, it's... They're the critical thinkers. They're the ones that have the ingenuity and the resource minds, you know? Fight or flight is nothing new to to most of our, you know, responses just in, you know, and that can be problems traumatized from childhood or, you know, just an understanding and groupthink when, you know, you were in school or something, right? And kind of maybe sitting back. Not many kids in school, in school I noticed in my time, sat back and kind of watched how everybody else did shit in school, you know? Not to say I was one of them, but I did notice that not many others were like me. No one's like you, Nate. Well, that's true, yeah. And I had my, my own special teachers, you know, one on each arm. And they wheeled me in in that... Uh, dolly with the mask on oh yeah yeah the hannibal lecter mask <laughs> you know what's the sound hello thing? clarice haven't seen you for a while <laughs> <laughs> you know what's sad is sometimes i watch these videos of these 
I don't know, I call them degenerates. And um, I think to myself, you know, like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it would be good if the world was, was eliminated with some of these assholes. Like, uh, we're in Tim Hortons, the guys, guys yelling at the counter are these hardworking people. These like, hurry up, man, hurry. Like, I see, I come across retarded people all the time that have, that are just like, where do these people come from? Like, they have no, who are these dumb people? I just, I got like, some pity. I got some pity for him, man, because, you know, in the same way, like, I feel really, really sorry. And I think we should all acknowledge that, like, even if people who are wearing the masks, they're che they're cheerleading five jabs and stuff like that, like they're victims of propaganda. Uh, they're victims of, of you know, their, their trust has been sorely abused. And unfortunately, they're still believing it. But, you know, it's when it much, much it, when it, syndrome by proxy. Mm -hmm is what yeah. it is it's well, it's they believe that their captor is looking after their best interest at all times and why would i disobey my captor you right. know and you've also got all these other external externalities right like the food that the you know average person consumes talking about an unhealthy diet and stuff a lot of the the diets are really really high in inflammation they cause um the amygdala the brain to, to swell up so you're living in a in a greater state of fear all the time and we can see how fear could be manipulated if, if if the last three years taught us anything it's that you can weaponize people's fear very very effectively if you have just a small amount of their trust yeah and that the governments have taken on cadres of behavioral scientists so one of the books that i cite in the covid protocols is it's called a state of fear by laura dodsworth and she's talking about these behavioral, these teams of behavioral scientists that are on uh, the payrolls of uh, various governments. And they are amping up the fear to the greatest extent they can in order to gain compliance. And it amounts to psychological torture. I mean, going back to what we were talking about before of the Hippocratic Oath of do no harm. Well, they are doing harm. They are psychologically torturing their own populations. Yeah. And and it's scary that a lot of people are still I don't I don't even want to say on the fence because they're so far from on the fence, it's not even funny. You know, and, and just in denial. Um yeah, it's it's an interesting time to be alive. I've said that right through the start of this whole pandemic, I think, and just witnessing some of the stupidest irrational behaviors. Um, you know, there's a new show on TV now where, like, um, Neighborhood Wars and uh, what's the other one called? It's on a and E. I I don't know if you, if you guys get that in the UK or not, but, uh, yeah, it's like Customer Wars and, and this kind of stuff, and this is all, like, little little snippets and reports of really insane stuff somebody's at the drive-thru and doesn't like the attitude from the from the clerk pulls out a gun you know i'm like why are we showing this on TV? like how much desensitized brainwashing you know are, are they going to consume before they realize that that's not the way to be acting that's not that shouldn't be playing on the background in your house that should be something with the you know there used to be a rating system on tv too you know, PG-13 and all this kind of stuff. These kind of shows are just, I don't think they're doing good for society. 
Well, right? we're, glor we're glorifying war. We're glorifying everything. Uh, in your book, Abdil, you you mentioned um, uh, the the war, the language of war uh, with this with the disease, right? There was it's the yeah. battle against COVID, the war against COVID, the you know they they used all this language that was specific to elicit that idea that we're in this this battleground and they use that further to divide us when because we're we're such tribal creatures just by nature that they they wedged themselves in there and they made made us you know the unvaccinated the other and they were able to pillory us with that because everybody's ramped up with fear they're already set in a war mentality and here's an enemy that they can be mad at because they've got this invisible disease that you, it's a demon in the sky you can't you can't be mad at this invisible thing how do you how do you how do you tell it off but you can tell somebody off right you can tell that dirty unvaccinated son of a bitch that he's out there spreading the disease and killing grandma right and i think that was that was a large aspect of the psychological you know torture they in, inflicted on everyone yeah, and I also quote headlines from newspapers that were, this is from the end of, uh, towards the end of 2021. How long before we turn on the unvaccinated? That those kinds of headlines are there and they're stirring up this hatred and persecution. And you know, going back to international law, Persecution against any identified group is categorized as a crime against humanity. That's under Article 7 of the Rome Statute. And uh, you had Emmanuel Macron saying, we're going to make life impossible or intolerable, I think was the word he used. We're going to make life intolerable for the unvaccinated. Uh, this, again, I mean, there you've got a leader a purported leader of a country say right there committing a crime against humanity yeah it's there's there's nothing you can say other than like it's 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 absolutely insane how insane the world got right and how we got this far um you know there was that there's that famous uh, toronto star headline on the the newspaper that was you know calling for the imprisonment of the unvaccinated they should go away they should be jailed they should be shot like they the you know going back to or to bring up the the royal law right like you wouldn't treat your neighbor that way and yet you know over time we've, we've gotten to the point where people were willing to or supportive of that and it's just it's well, look at celebrities right look what the celebrities have been doing and then the even that going after priests, each other they, they got priests to tell their congregation to take these shots and you're like well you know you're really crossing some serious lines here these are the people that should be upholding you know the you know, love thy neighbor and stuff like that. And, and and instead, it's just, you know, you're doing the right thing by doing this, the godly thing by doing this, weaponizing people's faith against them. It was very dirty. And people, people are so easily manipulated. And it's it's sad because it's it's one of us for 10, 10 people out there. I mean, I was watching the TV and like Nathan was, Nathan was saying I went on my in-laws at Christmas because I don't watch cable TV, right? Like at all. But it was on at their house. It makes me sick. Every single thing that's on there. All like Nate was saying before, all the reality TV shows, endless commercials, endless garbage. Garbage on every level of manipulation, of consumerism. And people eat that stuff up. They get addicted to it. They like people like this sort of conflict, I think. It's part I of some sort just, of sick I part really of human think it's nature. Just it's gray noise, though, in the background when they're not actually into it. 
And that's the even that's the scarier part is that there's kids playing in a room behind them that don't realize they're getting subjected to this as being a cool, normal thing to be shown on the TV all the time. Right. That's what worries me. Um, I know we're running, running low there on, uh, on time there, Abdul. I wanted to make sure you, you plugged your, uh, your YouTube or your uh, rumble. Do you uh, watch much rumble? So, sorry. Do I watch much rumble? Is yeah. That... Do, you, do you have the rumble? Yeah. You... I'm, well, I, I am not posting much to rumble. Um, I've got some stuff on BitChute. Uh, I've got stuff on, I guess, I mean, in terms of social media, really, most of what I'm doing right now is on TikTok. Uh, Brighteon, I'll post a video up there sometimes as well. And where can people find your books? So, yeah, well, I'm happy to uh, extend the offer uh, for anyone who wants a free ebook. The link is geni.us slash inalienable and so that was that was the link i gave out also in the tiktok video which is the one where we met because uh, i reached that level of frustration that kobo had this was the third book of mine that they have blocked and i said i want the information to get out there and you can have this uh, download for free and bless you canadians because so many people in the comments came back and said, I'm happy to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, these, these, these people are lovely. I can see why the, why the Canadians have a reputation for being kind, good-hearted people. And so the, the contrast with the shit fuckery of uh, Trudeau and Freeland and Tam could not be more glaring. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it is a crazy time. I watched a, I, I do a lot of YouTube and, um, well, not a lot, but I had time to watch a YouTube video the other day. Actually, our um, our guest from last week, Mark, sent me a Rumble link. And it was the, what was it called? The most expensive lie in history? Is that the one? Um, uh, Candace Owens documentary that was released back, I guess, in October. I had not seen it yet. But, uh, yeah. Oh, what is it called? Anyways, it's uh, she does an interview with George, George Floyd's roommates and his parents and and all this kind of stuff, and then tracks down where all that money went from that BLM. They raised ninety million dollars. What I recall, the the trucker convoy raised just over two million. Right? Is that right, Blaine? Do you remember? I can't remember the dollar figure, man. Sorry. Okay, but um, nonetheless, BLM managed to raise ninety million dollars in the name of George Floyd. His family never saw a dime of that. The, the street even where he where he lived or where he was you know where the shrine is now um george floyd uh park or whatever it's called now is uh george floyd square sorry for the record the uh yeah it's literally a decimate neighborhood now nothing is open every store is boarded up and graffiti everywhere but you know a little shrine put in place for him as well taking up half a city block but $90 million was embezzled literally to fake charities. And because these charities haven't done taxes, they can't actually go after them for some reason. Like the, the, the laws are crazy in the States, eh? Well, this, this is part of the, the structure we have of all the organizations that say they're doing philanthropy and all the organizations that say they're doing altruism. You know, they've even got these words in their own titles that, of their organizations, philanthropy and altruism. 
and this is the this is the description when when we look at what the bible says about satan being the father of lies he's also he also masquerades as an angel of light and his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness and he is the accuser of the brethren which is why whistleblowers and truth tellers get get uh, and investigative journalists get shut down uh, but I realize we're coming up to the last minute, so I'll just, um, I better give you my website. Mm -hmm. It's poetprofit.com. Oh, wow. All, all one word. All one word, yeah. Wicked. Cool. It's a good one. It's been well, fantastic cool. having you on here, man. We, uh, I know we all really appreciate it, and uh, it's it's been really enlightening, and we really hope to have you back sometime. Well, I'd love to come back, and uh, we'll we'll compare notes on how the story has unfolded since absolutely and, well uh, there's no shortage of things to talk about that's for sure yeah yeah uh yeah it's been uh, it's been a great honor to uh, talk to you guys and to make these alliances with uh with uh friends brothers sisters in in other nations is uh it fortifies my heart it does the same for us man i i, I uh can't can't say how much we appreciate it and keep fighting the good fight man putting out that book is doing a world of good there was many great in, so much great information in there and the fact that like the the appendix is great just to be able to find and and hold some some really uh keystone rights that you can just hold up at any time and just be like hey you're in contravention of some serious laws here yeah and lots of love to you guys uh lots of love to your listeners great. same to you thanks abdiel